I do, and we're just talking about what I do really means. And uh, how many of you got to go to the Valentine's dinner show? Did you get to go? To, wasn't that hilarious? That was just great. We're actually going to do one of the skits uh, next Sunday, so don't don't miss next Sunday. Uh, you'll get to see the the skit that I think was the best. It was awesome. Um, but we're talking about I do and what that means. And last week we talked about I do, I think. I think I do. And so we talked to singles last week and we uh, really kind of did a message subtitled How to Marry the Right Person. How to Marry the Right Person. In today's message, we're going to talk about I do, now what? So you found Mr. Wright, you found Mrs. Wright, and uh, you're back from the honeymoon, and you're asking, what do I do now? To illustrate um, what you need to do now, we're going to go to a parable in the Bible that when you first hear me say what this parable is, you might say, I'm not sure I know how that fits with marriage, but we'll show you. Actually, we're going to talk about the parable of the wise builder and the foolish builder. And um, you actually could use this parable to talk about a lot of different things. But today, I want you to think about this parable in terms of marriage. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 24. And notice Notice the combination here, very simple combination, two things that Jesus says that we need to do in order to line up with his blessing in our life. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and what are these sayings of mine? They are the word of God. When Jesus spoke, he was God, is God, will forever be God. So when Jesus spoke, he spoke the word of God. And so he said, therefore, whoever hears what I say and what? Does what I say. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Jesus says, I will liken a person who does that. I will liken them to a wise man, to a wise person. And then he tells us about a specific wise person. He tells us about a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Then he said, but... And this is, this is, anytime you hear Jesus say, but, that's very, very important. I was thinking about telling y'all that this was a big but, but then I knew that wouldn't sound right. So I'll just tell you to pay attention to this word, but here. And, and I know some of y'all are sitting there thinking, I brought visitors today. And now he's um, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does what? not do them, will be like a foolish man. And then he tells us about a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. Now, Jesus could have stopped right there, but he added a little bit. He said, and great was its fall. Let's look at a few things, just some observations about this parable, very simple observations, but but important to make. Two houses are built here. Two homes are built. 
One of them is built on the rock and one of them is built on the sand. There are two separate builders. One of them is wise and one of them is foolish. Both experience the same circumstances and that was a violent storm yet they experienced very different results one house stands firm and the other house collapses so then I bring it into what we're talking about and I say or I ask why does that seem to also happen to marriages I mean, why is it that some marriages go through the exact same circumstances and one stands and weathers the storm and the other one falls? Jesus says that the difference is in the foundation. The difference in whether that marriage made it through the storm is in the foundation. Whether it is a house or a marriage, the foundation is essential. If you want to put a little subtitle to this sermon, you could call it How to uh, Stormproof Your Marriage. How to Stormproof Your Marriage. That's what we're going to talk about today and next Sunday. I want you to notice the three natural external forces in this passage that will tear a house down. He says the rain, not just any rain, but violent rain, monsoon rain, We know about that in our neck of the woods, don't we? And that leads to the next thing, floods. We know anything about a flood around here? We know a lot about floods. Some of you lost everything you had uh, back in the flood. Was it 2000 when that happened? 99, 2000, somewhere back there. Uh, Engulfing waters. I remember visiting some of you and talking to some of you on the phone. And and, uh, some of you lost everything. Uh, We had families in this church that literally lost everything and had to totally relocate their lives. It was a a very, very challenging time uh, in our community. So the rains came and then the floods came and then Jesus says the wind, not just any wind, uh, but strong gale force winds. And in this parable, I want you to notice that Jesus says that rain, wind, and flood can tear a house down. Now, in my past sermon series that I've done, I've done some marriage retreats, and let me go ahead and tell you all that we are going to do our marriage retreat again next year. We are going to get that going again. We backed off for a couple of years because of our Saturday night service at the bridge, but we got that flowing now, and so we're going to do a marriage retreat next year. It'll be in Myrtle Beach, and we'll let you all know about that. But when we do marriage retreats, when I would teach it, or, or I'd have guests come in and teach it, or we'd do a DVD series or whatever... Uh, most of the time when somebody talks about marriage, they talk about internal enemies uh, like selfishness and insensitivity and uh, you know finances and the physical relationship and all of that. And, and let me just say something to you guys. There is a book you need in your library, and I've mentioned this book before, so some of you already have it, and it is called His Needs, Her Needs by Dr. Willard F. Harley. Dr. Willard F. Harley, His Needs, Her Needs is the title. And um, what you need to do is you need to buy that book. And if you're, if you're engaged to be married or if you are already married, you need to buy that book and go through it together. And, and here's what you need to do, sir. You need to read about her needs. And ma'am, you need to read about his needs. Because one of the major problems, or I would go ahead and say the major problem other than spiritual problems, the major problem 
in marriages today is that men don't really understand where women are coming from. And women don't really understand where men are coming from. Our needs are different. The five basic needs of a man are different than the five basic needs of a woman. I've heard so many good things, Mark and Tanya, about your class on Wednesday night, fireproofing your marriage, and you're fireproofing it on, on Wednesday night, and I'm stormproofing it on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. So uh, we're trying to help you save your marriage. We want you to have a happy home and a joyful home. We want your home to be a sanctuary. <clears throat> but let me just challenge you. I, I'm telling you, if you will get this book and work through it and talk about it and communicate with each other about it, and let your spouse express herself and let your spouse express himself and talk about needs that aren't being met, you won't need a counselor. You won't need a third person. Try that. Now, we're here for you, and we'll counsel with you, or we'll connect you to a professional Christian marriage counselor, whatever you need. But, but I'm telling you, if you will pray and fast and read your Bible and go through that book together, I can almost promise you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be able to come through whatever it is you're struggling with. You know what amazes me is that we spend way more money and time maintaining our car than we do maintaining our marriage. I don't know where in the world we ever got the idea that when we get married, you know, and you do that bow tie thing and wear that monkey suit and go through that whole thing, pay out a whole bunch of money. Don't break your heart. And... Uh, because, I mean, you could have went to Hawaii with that money. But anyway, um, uh, you, you, you do that and you think that's it. You think you're done. A marriage has to be maintained more than a car has to be maintained. Isn't it amazing? Oh, we got to get the uh, wheels lined up and rotated and balanced and make sure the oil's changed. And wash that thing, wax it, and we just take care of our car. We don't do anything to take care of our marriage. And we go, I don't know what her problem is. I just don't know what her problem is. I don't know what his problem is. He's a nut. I thought he's a great guy. He's a nutcase. I'm just... And we're not doing it. We're not investing anything in our marriage. I know guys that invested way more before they got married than after they get married. I mean, money, time, effort, everything. And then it was like they got married and now they're brain dead. And um, we wonder why our marriages are in trouble and, and we don't ever go on a trip. We don't ever get a babysitter and take the kids off, you know, take the kids somewhere and, you know, tie them in the basement or something and go off for a weekend. <laughs> you got, I'm telling you guys, you, how did you fall in love? Were, were 10 children there when you fell in love? No. And so, so get a babysitter and, and, and go at least for one night away somewhere and just be about each other. And maintain, work on, read about, study um, how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife. You've got to put some effort in it. You've got to put some effort in it, okay? All right. So, so most of the time we talk, about, um, we talk about internal stuff. But what I want to do in this series is I really want to talk about enemies outside your marriage that want to get into your marriage and bring division. So I want to talk about external Stuff. I want to talk about stuff coming from the outside. Here are the three things we're going to talk about today and next Sunday. We're going to talk about the culture we live in. We're going to talk about the crises we live through. And we're going to talk about the changes we live with. So today we'll talk about culture. How that our culture is trying to divide our home. 
And then next week, we'll talk about crises. Every couple is going to go through a crisis. Doesn't matter how happy the happy day of marriage was, you're going to go through some really, really tough times that you didn't know about and you didn't expect, and, and you want to know how to weather those places. And then finally, how many of y'all know stuff changes? <laughs> when I saw my picture up there, I was like, man, I got, I got to tell you, I think I changed for the better. That's one that helmet hair, that's sad. I mean, that's just some sad hair. But, um, you know, so, so things change. You know, you, you wake up in the morning and, and both of you are standing at the mirror and you look over at her reflection and go, huh? And, um, you know, so your things change, don't they? They change, so we'll talk about that. So you, you found your, the love of your life, you're married, now what? All right, so let's talk about the fact that if you're going to uh, make your marriage strong, you're going to survive, then you've got to be prepared for the culture you're living in, the culture you're living in. Now, our culture, our culture is like rain. And remember how Jesus talked about rain in this. He said, a man built a house on a rock and one built a house on sand, and the rain came. So we're going to look at rain as our secular, humanistic culture that we live in. How many of y'all know that we live in a humanistic, liberal, secular culture today that, that really is, is almost 100% against what we teach and believe in this church? And you're, you're here at the church hearing teaching for about 30, 45 minutes a week, and if you come on Wednesday, you get a little bit more. And then maybe if you go to small group, you get a little bit more. But how many of you realize that you are primarily being communicated to by this culture? You're not primarily being communicated to by, by God and God's word. Most of what you hear is from our culture. So if you're not where you ought to be spiritually and you're not walking in strength and intimacy with God, then that culture is going to permeate it's going to, you're, you're going to absorb some of the philosophies and core values of that culture. And what I'm here to tell you today as your pastor is that it's going to hurt your marriage. It's going to hurt your marriage and it's going to hurt your parenting and your children. See, just as the rain that Jesus talks about in this parable soaks into everything in sight, the culture around us permeates our home and families and marriages. I want to tell you all that there are forces in our society that work against the family. There are actual groups and organizations in our, in our society and in our culture that are committed to the destruction of the family. And, and I'm not here to be negative or, or, or anything today, but I'm here to warn you and I'm here to alert you and I'm here to say to you that you need to wake up and, and I'm going to talk especially to the men today. And the reason I do especially talk to the men is because the Bible especially talks to the men about being the spiritual leader in your house and standing at the door. Standing at the door of your house with your arms crossed and saying to some invader that wants to get in and mess up your marriage and, and, and wants to take your wife away from you and wants to destroy your children's lives, if you knew a human being was going to walk in your house and do that to your family, they'd have to kill you first. They'd have to kill you. They, they, you'd have to kill me. I'm old. And I don't get around real good anymore like I used to. I can't run fast, and when I do run, I look weird now. And um, so... so 
uh, I don't have a lot of physical ability, but I'm going to tell you something. If you try to hurt my family, I'm going to hurt you now. I mean, seriously, I, you know, that adrenaline, I, you, you might think I'm an old man, but for, for about 30 seconds, I can put some whoop on you. And uh, I'm like that cheetah, you know, he's chasing that gazelle, and uh, he runs for about 30 seconds, and then he's dead under a tree somewhere. That's how I, but, but I'm going to fight you if you try to hurt my family. I'm going to, are y'all with me on this now? I got some men out there, some real men. I, I, not no, I don't want no metrosexuals. I mean, if you're a man here today and you got shiny fingernails, mm, I'm just saying. I'm talking about I need some men that will stand at the door and go, if you hurt my family, um, you, you're going to have to, I, I'll have to be dead before you, before you get to them. Amen? And, and so, and so um, there are groups and organizations and efforts that want to get in your house. And uh, uh, we've got to be aware of this culture uh, because it influences even Christians. I'm telling you, I see it all the time in church. There are people now who will debate with me and argue with me about things I teach and preach from this pulpit that even 15 years ago they would have never debated with me about it. So we're, we're culture, culture is having its eroding effect. And we need to we need to buck up, guys. We need to rise up. We need, I, I hope what this sermon does today is just wake us up and realize that there is an enemy out there. And I think, I think we've gotten so, um, I don't know what the word is, but, but we've kind of gotten soft in church. We've gotten soft. And, and I know God is love, but love means protecting the people you love and the people who, who are first in your life. Jesus uh, tells us that just like continuous rain has an eroding effect on a house, our culture has that same effect on our marriage, our home, our parenting. Because of our culture, it's harder to stay married in our culture today than it ever has been before because our culture has made it so easy to not be married. So easy. As a matter of fact, it's even expected, really. You've been with her how, how long? You know, you haven't traded her in yet? Millie said, when I turn 50, she's going to trade me in for 225s. I just think that's it's terrible. Um, <laughs> thank God she didn't. Man. Uh, recently, I read an excerpt from a book by George Gallup, who does that Gallup poll you hear about all the time. And uh, the book he wrote was called Forecast 2000. He wrote it... Um, in the last part of the 90s, and uh, he, was, he, was doing a, um, he was doing interviews and, and taking polls to see where the family was and what we could expect, or see where the world was really, and society in general, and what we could expect in the years to come. And he, um, he, one of the chapters in the book, I haven't read the whole book, but one of the chapters, The Faltering Family. Um, he took a nationwide poll to find out what are the cultural factors that are hurting our marriages. And I want to share with you all what he found out. And I'm going to give you four things. And I want to tell you that the four things that I'm going to give you today are controversial. They're controversial things. And, and you might not agree with me 
on some of the stuff I say today. But if you'll come up after the service, I will forgive you because I love you. And if you don't agree with me, I'll, I'll answer your questions or, or I'll let you disagree. I'll let you come up to me and disagree with me and say, I think, you know, that's, that's a little bit too old-fashioned. Because I'm going to sound like an old-fashioned preacher today. I'm going to sound like an old-fashioned preacher today. But I'm not, I'm not preaching this today to sound like an old-fashioned preacher. I'm preaching this today to tell you what the Bible says and what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God guides our life, okay? The number one or, or the first cultural influence that is having an eroding effect on our marriage and our home is alternative lifestyles, this openness to alternative lifestyles, this redefinition of marriage and what is okay and what isn't okay. There are so many different opinions in the world today. And, and, and there was a time, you know, I'm 52 years old, and there was a time in my life when I remember that most of the things that we're debating today were not even debatable at one time in my life. They weren't even talked about. Nobody argued about it because everybody knew from just a logical perspective that this is weird. This is not right. But Jesus said, as the day of his return got closer, that what was weird would become normal, and what was normal would become weird. We are there. We are there. And, and so we're hearing all kinds of opinions and challenging voices clamoring for our attention today. There's mass confusion regarding the definition of marriage, and the people who are, who are putting this out there they are that secular news media, that liberal secular news media, and that liberal secular Hollywood message, and, and is, is promoting unclear roles and the wrong goals for the American home. I mean, just think about your television and the programs you watch on your TV. How often do you see a happily married man and woman on television? Almost never. Almost never. And, and really, when they are a happily married couple on television, they're usually, um, they're usually stupid or they're usually um, um, very over-religious and that kind of thing. They're, they're usually mocked or ridiculed in some way, some way they're made fun of. Now, now I want you to listen to me. I want you to hear me today. This is a strategy to change your perception of right and wrong. This is a strategy. This is a message. This is a sermon that is being preached to you in various ways so that you will not be one of those bigoted, closed-minded church people. You are being told that if you have core values based on the infallible, inerrant word of God, you are being told that you are a bigot, that you are full of hatred, that you are racist, that you are... They're calling you every name in the book. And they're trying to get you because they think if they can put enough pressure on you, you're going to go, well, I'm, I'm not being accepted generally, and I want to be accepted generally, so I'm, going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to be open to changing my thoughts on that. And I'm not, 
I'm not saying there aren't some things we need to do that with. I, I, I think in the church we've become legalistic in some ways and we've made up rules that have no biblical basis. And that's legalism. But we have to be very careful with saying this is legalism and not carrying that too far making sure that if the Bible does speak about it and the Bible does address it, that we stand right there. Amen, amen? So alternative lifestyles is being pushed on you. The second thing that's being pushed on you by our culture is sexual immorality and that it really isn't immoral. In his, in his poll, Gallup talked about the fact that he discovered in, in his research that a vast majority of teenagers are having sex. A vast majority. He found in his, in his research that half of men who he asked if you've ever had an affair or cheated on your wife, half of the men answered yes. Half. One psychiatrist said, this is your culture now talking to you. This is, this is the message you're being fed. A psychiatrist, and if y'all don't mind, I'd like to address this psychiatrist or identify him as a fruitcake psychiatrist. Is that okay if I do that? Because let me tell you what this doofus said. He said, in my practice, and I, not all I'm not putting all psychiatrists there. I'm just saying this one. In my practice, he said, I've been particularly struck, and I think he had shiny fingernails. I'm just saying. But he said, in my practice... I've been particularly struck by how many women have been able to use an affair to raise their consciousness and their self-confidence. I want to beat him up. <laughs> this is our culture. This is our culture. I'm going to tell you all something. We're living in a day when instead of people quoting the Bible to me, they're quoting Oprah. And I hear excuses like, well, I know, you know, all that stuff, and I know, and I, but I tell you, I, I tell you, if more people thought like that, and see here, you've got to understand, you, you, remember, you remember Ahab and Jezebel in the Bible? See, Ahab didn't say that they couldn't have their Jewish beliefs. Ahab said, you can have your Jewish beliefs, and you can believe in your God of Genesis and Exodus. You can believe in all that. He said, but just mix it with this Baal worship, too. Just mix it all up. So you, when, you, when you hear uh, one of these famous people say, oh, I, I think Jesus, I love Jesus. But, but Jesus isn't the only. I mean, doesn't that sound, when you're not in this atmosphere, when you're at home or, or maybe you're in a secular setting and somebody, that, don't they make it sound like it? That, that just really makes sense. Well, God isn't into making sense. God is into declaring truth. That's what God's into. So, so this, this whole value system of immoral sexual activity is being bombarded. Listen, men are being bombarded. Men are stimulated visually. Well, you know, I'm 52 and old, but I know a good-looking woman when I see one. I mean, <laughs> and glory to God for that. Amen. I love these people that get so spiritual, they go, oh, I just, I don't even see that. I don't see yeah, right. <laughs> Those desires 
came from God. So the secular culture knows that. So they, what do they do to men? They bombard us because they understand that. They bombard us with that. And so what used to be pornography hidden somewhere that you had to go seek it out and find it in the dark places is now in the open every day on your television in the middle of the day. And you're being bombarded. And I'm not talking about pay-for channels. I'm talking about just regular stuff that comes across on our basic stuff we get, TV. See, if you understand that it is a strategy, if you understand that it's a strategy, it'll make you look at it differently. Bugs me that on television, the only people you see going to bed with each other are either ones who aren't married to each other or they're not, or they're not married to anybody. I mean, you know, they're not married at all or they're not married to each other. Uh, um, when was the last time you saw a happily married couple walk off into a bedroom together on TV? No. No, man, what they celebrate is uh, two and a half men. Y'all don't know what that is, do you? <laughs> Man, you, all you got to do is watch that show five minutes. It is, it is rotten. And I'm going to tell you all something. We laugh at what makes Jesus cry. We laugh at stuff that makes Jesus cry. It's almost as if you're a real loser in Hollywood if you're not sleeping around. Um, I was uh, listening to a program the other day, and uh, a man on that program was being mocked by his man friends because he was sleeping, he wasn't sleeping with people other than his wife, and they insinuated that he must be a homosexual. That's the culture we live in. That's what you're getting bombarded with. Hollywood seems to be saying to us, it's fine to have physical relations with anybody except your spouse. Gallup calls these findings extremely disturbing. And so the rain, it's like rain. Jesus said rain falls on the house. It falls on the home. And if we don't have the roof in order and we don't have it on a solid foundation, listen to me, it may take some time, but that rain will erode. It will permeate. It will soak in. So I'm asking you today as your pastor, because I love you so much, I want you to buck up. I want you to rise up. I want you to wake up. I want you to stop what the Bible calls a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And I want you to become the spiritual pastor, priest, and prophet in your house God called you to be. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you don't protect your house, nobody else is going to step up. You've got to protect your house. The third thing is the economy. There's a powerful materialistic pressure on us. You remember I told you all one time about that ad I saw about that car deal, that car? It said, buy this car to make your neighbor envious. Don't buy it to get to the store and get some groceries. Don't buy it for transportation. Buy it just to make your neighbor envious. And I got to tell you something, there's a lot of purchases made, whether we will admit it or not, for that very reason. Because we want to project an image and we're becoming more and more overcommitted financially. And let me tell you something. When you see a great old big house with two great old big cars sitting in the driveway and you say, they got money, they may very well not have any money. 
They might be inside peeping out the window going, I wish I could go to McDonald's. I would rather drive a sorry car and live in a dump house than to, than to not be able to ever leave. Isn't it the truth? A lot of people are in prison. And I'm not against nice houses and nice cars. I'm going to have them all that one day. And, uh, and, and, I, and I desire that just like you guys do. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I am not going to live. I'm not going to live where I can't just breathe. And, and you've got to admit, guys, a lot of the purchases we make are just so people will think or won't think certain things about us. Please come to a place in your life where you don't care what they think. I'm telling you, I love you so much, but I'm telling you, we got, we're overcommitted. We got too many monthly payments. I told you this the other week. We got too much month and uh, too little money. And, and now we're at a place where both spouses are having to work as hard as they can just to keep their mouth above water. That's no way to live. Because of that, you don't have time for each other because you're working all the time and you come home and you're tired and, and, and you, you're exhausted and, and there's nothing left to give to the people you love the most. And then we wonder what's wrong with our marriage and we wonder where what our children, we're losing our children. We wonder why. And a lot of it is because the culture has told us if you don't own and possess and look a certain way, then you're a loser, you're a failure, and people look down on you. So what? If you stand before God one day with your wife and a beautiful, happy marriage and your children loving Jesus, what's better than that? That is success. Don't let the world dictate to you what success is. Let God say what that is. Dad and mom are under tremendous pressure. The children are crying, but they're not crying because of things you would think. They're crying because they don't have certain name tags in their clothes. And I don't mean teenagers. I remember, I'll tell you all how old I am. When I was a teenager, we, you had to have an alligator on your shirt. Y'all remember that? And then I loved Kmart. They came out with one with another different animal on it so you could get it like a third the price of the ones with the alligators. And I can't remember what. It's like a monkey or something, you know. <laughs> I had one of those. That's not one of those shirts, Farrell. I got something going here. But children cry, and, and I mean, I mean, it's not, teen, you know, when I was a teenager, that's when I started fussing about the kind of genes and the kind of, and the names. But now, like, it's first grade, kindergarten. I'm not wearing those shoes. I am not wearing that in school. Finally, I got a shirt that had the alligator on it, and I wore it every day. <laughs> Didn't smell good, but I was cool. <laughs> and we let culture tell us those things. And the family is deteriorating and everybody's going in different directions with less time. And Gallup says, as women have joined the workforce in response to economic needs, one result has been the increased emotional strain on marriages and families. Now, ladies, don't misunderstand me. I'm not up here preaching, uh, saying that you aren't supposed to work outside the home. Uh, I'm telling you that, that I've been married for 30 years and most of our married life, Millie's worked outside the home. So I, I'd be a hypocrite to get up here. Here's what I want to tell you. 
If you have to work outside the home to keep the lights on and put food on the table, I salute you. But if you can be at home with your children, that's the ideal. That's the ideal. And, um, and I want to say this to you, and I know it's going to make some of my ministry directors kind of freak out on me. But don't let the church steal every night of your life either. The church can steal every night of your life. And don't let that happen. Now, if you let that happen, that is your decision. Look, we're going to ask you to serve. And, you know, I, te I tease you guys sometimes say we'll work you like a rented mule. And, and we will. We love people that say yes, man. We love it. We'll give you the leader of the month every month. But you got to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this, these couple things. And my wife's going to do these couple things. And pastor, that's all we can do right now. Because we got children to raise. And, and my house is a church. Amen, amen. My house is a church, pastor. And I have a congregation that I need to lead. And man, you look at me and say that. And I will respect that. I'll respect that. Okay? The final thing that... Our culture sending is radical feminism. Now, girls, don't get mad at me because I'm not talking about. Yeah, let me tell you what I think about women. I, I think women are better than men at being women. <laughs> Amen. And I think men are better than women at being men. I just think we both got. I, and I think women complete us. I'm going to tell you something, man. If y'all knew what Millie did, you'd fire me right now and say, we ought to have been giving that woman the check the whole time. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, that woman is, is, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Thank God for my Millie. Thank God for my Millie. She is such a balance to me, such a balance to my life. Man, just makes tears come to my eyes. I just thank God what a gift, what a gift my wife is to me. And I think women not only ought to get paid as much as men for the same work, if they're better, they ought to get paid more than men. So don't misunderstand me. But radical feminism is just as selfish as male chauvinism. Radical feminism is just as selfish and self-centered as male chauvinism is. They're both wrong. Here's what radical feminism says. It says, I'm going to live for me. When it comes to my husband, I'm going to live for me. When it comes to my children, I'm going to live for me. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of what anybody else thinks or regardless of how it affects anybody else's life. I'm going to look out for my rights and my needs. Now, there is a book out that you might want to read. It's a secular book, and it's written by a woman, and it's called New Rules, N-E-W-R-U-L-E-S, New Rules. And here's an excerpt from that book. Listen. Among married people I interviewed for this book, the author says, those who devoted, those most devoted to self-fulfillment are having the greatest trouble in their marriage. Did you hear what I just said? Those who are committed to self-fulfillment are having the most trouble in their marriages. Truly committed fulfillment seekers focus so sharply on their own needs that instead of achieving a more intimate giving relationship, they actually grow further apart from each other. In looking to their own needs for fulfillment, they are caught in the debilitating contradiction. Their goal is to expand their lives by reaching beyond the self. But the strategy they've employed results in constricting their lives and drawing inward and ever narrowing, closed off 
eye. People want to enlarge their choices, but by seeking to keep all options open, they actually diminish their choices. This is the kind of culture we live in, like rain, it permeates, it erodes. Now, final five minutes, I promise. What is the Christian response to this? What is it? The Christian response is wrapped up in a verse that we all know and most of us is probably, have probably uh, memorized and it is Romans 12 and 2 where it says, be, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. But be transformed. Now listen, listen, listen. There comes a time in your life, guys, when you're going to stand up and it isn't going to be because you feel inspired let me tell you what we usually do. We usually wait for a sermon like this to kind of stir our emotions a little bit and get us fired up. Listen to me. You men, especially you men, you have got to get fired up about this and stay fired up because the moment you let your guard down, it's coming in. So you can't wait for a sermon like you've got to take responsibility for your own fire in this area. And you've got to keep yourself on fire about your home and about your marriage and about your parenting. Listen, guys, your three things in your house, and this is not in your notes, but you can write it down. You are the pastor of your house. You need to know where your house is spiritually. Now, I don't mean that you can make everybody in your house go where you want them to go spiritually, but you need to know where they all are spiritually. And you need to be taking measures to bring them to God. The second thing you need to do as a man in your house is not only be a pastor, but you need to be a prophet. Now, what did the prophet do in the Bible? He talked to the people about God. And your family needs to hear you, sir, talk about God in your house. Can I just ask you something? Do your children, have they ever heard you talk about God? Have they, I know they hear you talk about your favorite basketball team or they hear you talk about what, but do you, do, can your children, when they are grown, can they look back and say, here's what my daddy said about God. Here's what my daddy said about the Bible. Here's what my dad said about Jesus. You've got to be a prophet, but not just that. You've got to be a priest. And what did the priest do? The priest talked to God about the people. You've got to get on your face in prayer for your family. And I tell you something, it's hard to be mad at somebody you're praying for. And if you're praying for your wife, if you've got, I mean, you and your wife are having problems and you, and you don't know what else to do, get somewhere by yourself and pray for that woman. Pray for her. Pray for her. Pray for yourself that you would understand where she's coming from and you would understand why this conflict exists, conflict, why it exists, and, and, and pray and stop being mad and stop doing this whole immature Cold War thing and get on your face in behalf of your marriage and cry out for your spouse. You cannot hate or hold grudge or, or be mad at somebody you're praying for. You can't do it. Prophet, priest, pastor. Now, ladies, don't be offended by that. Somebody's got to be the leader. Somebody's got to be the leader. And, and, and God said the man is to lead his home. Now, now, let me tell you some things I've seen. I have seen women gather up their children and leave him in the bed on Sunday morning and come to the house of God. And I'll tell you something. 
I admire that. And we've taught our ushers and we've taught our greeters. And, and to you look at, and when you see that woman, and maybe her husband's deployed. It might not be a marital thing or that he doesn't love God. He just might be deployed or he might work on Sunday. I want you guys looking out there in that parking lot. And when you see a woman struggling with a diaper bag and struggling with a baby buggy and she's got a, go over there. Even if you're not an usher, even if you're just one of our tenders, keep your head on swivel. Don't come to Sunday morning thinking just about yourself. Come thinking about other people and keep your that's what our football coach used to tell us keep your head on swivel you've got an assignment but if your assignment's over there and the guy with the ball's over there go get him so you got to keep your head on swivel at church so you come to church and you go well i'm not an usher today and i see that lady's really struggling she's having a hard time and those kids are screaming and evidently her husband's deployed overseas but i'm not an usher today so come on honey that's what i want to do doofus. That's Greek for dumb. Go where they are. Go to that person. So I admire that. I've seen a lot of men, men who wouldn't come to church with their wife, but you know what I don't think I've ever seen? I may have and I can't remember, but I don't believe I've ever seen a woman who wouldn't go to church with her husband. May I, you say, well, I know somebody. Well, you might, or, but it would be very rare, wouldn't it? But we can all think of many wives. That's why God said, man, lead, 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 men, lead. Come on. Quit being wimps, guys, and lead your house. Stand on the front porch of your house and dare him to try to get in there. Stand at your door and dare him to touch your marriage. Stand at the door of the bedroom of your children and dare him to put his hands on your children. You're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you look him dead in the eye and you say, you will not. You, will, you, you do your thing out there. You, you do your cultural thing out there. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Come on, guys. Come on. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I love what the Phillips translation says. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Exodus 23 and 2 says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. You say, well, everybody else is doing it. That's all. I just love that one. What did mom always say? But they all go jump in a fire. You going to jump in a fire too? Yeah. That's why my mom used to say. Oh, Mike, if it's cool, you know. Um, the culture around us is, right, is like rain. It's like rain. And if we don't maintain our house, it's going to get in our house. It's going to mess us up. Would you stand to your feet? If you are with your 